writers. Welcome to Mad Science Films. I'm Jimmy P, filmmaker and section astronaut. And as ever, I'm joined by my perfidious co-host. Uh, James Marcy, one half of the Mad Science Films team. So guys, before we crack on the show, remember to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Come see us on Facebook. And uh, yeah, any comments, if you in the comment section down below, let's crack on the show. Boom. Also, guys, please check out our fourth feature film for free over on YouTube. Just search for Little Monster or click on the link in the show notes below. This week, we're campaigning for a forgotten masterpiece of genre cinema to be given the beautiful Blu-ray treatment. And we're very lucky again. We love it, peeps. We've got another viewer recommendation, this time from Stephen Wales, who previously recommended Fright Night 2 for the show. Uh, we love doing Friday Night too, and thanks again, Stephen, for getting in contact and recommending this one. So this is a this is an interesting one, and tread to fine line, but we wanted to tackle it. Me especially because I think there's an interesting story behind the film. So Stephen asked us to take a look at 1979's The Black Hole, directed by Gary Nelson. All right, everybody, open up your synopsis ears. Here we go. A research vessel finds a missing ship commanded by a mysterious scientist on the edge of a black hole. Doesn't give a lot away, but that's mm. pretty much it. That's, you know, it's a good setup. So, Jimothy, The Black Hole from 1979. Mm. Have you seen this motion picture before? No, first time for me. Um, okay. I liked it. And um, I thought it was good. I uh, I kind of like those films where it's, you know, mystery ship, you know, supposed to be forgotten, disappeared or whatever. Uh, and that's how the kind of films start. So they discover this ship. Um, and then it's that exploration, what's on the ship, who's on the ship. And then they discover this crazy almost like bond villain doctor mad scientist who's investigating this black hole that's nearby and he really presents it as this almost like uh utopia you know um he's kind of there living his dream he's gonna do this mad crazy thing by going for the black hole and, and experience that and, and all the rest of it um so I like the whole setup, and it was good. It was really well shot. It was really, it looked really cool. Some of the some of the effects had a bit dated, uh, but it looked it looked good. You had John Barry just riffing over the fuck, you know, really really good music, um, and the cast was great as well. I mean, that's a real. In, in my eyes, some real fucking hard hitters there. The likes of Anthony Perkins and Ernest Borgnine, and um, particularly like the voice of Vincent. By Mr. Roddy McDowell. That was quite cool. Uh, what blows my mind is, like, as a kid, I always used to get Anthony Perkins and Roddy McDowell mixed up. So the idea that even their voices are in the same film and mm -hmm. they're conversing with each other was blowing my young mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I really like the characters. I mean, Robert Forster is the captain, the stoic man, uh, was really cool. And I really liked Anthony Perkins. As the doctor, I've got the doctor's name now. He plays the scientist. Um, but Alex Durant, who plays Alex Durant, and even reminds me of kind of like a like a Mister kind of character, all about the science. And I liked his kind of struggle with like when things were getting a bit fishy with this Doctor Reinhardt and his uh, this utopia that he's presented, and then people started to question it. I like Anthony Perkins' kind of like critical thinking scenes where he's like, oh, let's calm it down. Let's think about it. And he's almost lulled into this 
um, scientific utopia presented by Ryan Hack is he himself is fascinated by the science of the black hole. And I like how he kind of, uh, you know, presented that character. Um, so, yeah, some really good characters in this film. And I, I could see the Disney aspect creeping in with the robots. There was some very kind of comical moments, like with the eyes on Vincent, this kind of floating R2-D2 kind of robot and that you know, little... do you know what it reminded me of? it reminded me of dusty bin <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> so, so i could see that that disney element kind of put into it as well so um yeah the ending was a bit a bit naff not the best ending i think visually looked cool but i didn't really get anything from it i wasn't sure what the fuck was going on so kind of the ending was a bit of a letdown for me mm. um I can see it as like a cool Sunday film. You can maybe put on with the kids there and kind of, you know, introduce them into like kind of darker sci-fi, I guess. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Some, yeah, some good actors in it, some good characters, a decent storyline, visually looked good. John Barry doing his thing, sounded great. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th I think probably as you were saying, like watching it on a Sunday afternoon. I think as a kid, that's how I saw it. I'm fairly sure it would have been like an ITV Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon thing just to put on when the wrestling wasn't on, you know. So I remember watching it as a kid, and I remember not really digging it. Um, and I think the problem for me was, you know, this came out in answer to Star Wars. You know, Star Wars came out in '77, and every movie studio was not expecting Star Wars to be a big hit. And mm -hmm. every movie studio was looking around going, holy shit, this is making amazing money. Where's our Star Wars? And so I did a little bit of digging. Um, this was, yeah, 1979 this was released, so a couple of years later. Um, it was in a weird period in, like, Disney's history. So at the time, uh, the, the guy in charge of making, the you know, like, Disney's movies was Ron Miller, who was, like, Walt Disney's son-in-law. Uh, Walt Disney had like passed away about like 10, 12 years earlier or whatever. Mm. Um, and Ron kind of looked around and realized that Disney financially was in trouble, especially with the movies. And yeah. he was like, the reason why is we've just got this very small demographic, kids. This is, you know, kids and their parents, right? All the other movie studios, Warner Brothers, Paramount, all of this, they can you know, get the whole age range. So Ron's thing was, right, let's move away just from kids to Troy, do more family things and stuff with a bit of a darker edge. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is why you end up with films like like The Black Hole. Same kind of period then was also Watcher in the Woods, which was this weird like horror movie with, uh, I think, Betty Davis. Weird fact, I'm in the remake of Watcher in the Woods. There you go. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, a Ray Bradbury adaptation called Something Wicked This Way Comes, which again is this like folk horror carnival kind of thing as well. Um, so it was a weird period in Disney and they were just trying anything. So they had this um, script already like that was being developed like long before Star Wars and they kind of shelved it. And then Star Wars came out and they were like, what have we got? So they dusted off this script. They gave it a polish. Um, and, you know, they wanted to do their own Star Wars. And and for me, they kind of learned all the wrong lessons of, of Star Wars. There's a lot to like about this film. But tonally, as you kind of said, it's very weird. It's got these 
very slow 2001-esque pretensions you know it's very slow movie um mm. it's got a cast that just reminds me and maybe it's in this book it just reminds me of like disaster movies of the 70s you know your earthquakes your towering furnos all this kind of stuff and Ernest Borgnine in there with Anthony Perkins and Robert Foster, that just cements it for me. And a lot of the posters, you know, have all of their faces along the bottom to show this is our cast. And it's exactly the kind of stuff you'd see on Towering and Inferno and, you know, other ones like that. So, yeah. Um, and then, as you say, there's this really weird infantile humour, mostly with the robots, in this extended, like, seven-minute, like, you know, shootout scene. And you're like... All right, that just feels weird, really weird. It's like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing? And then they're trying to do Star Wars, you know, as the space opera romp, and they kind of forget to do that. You know, I wouldn't say any part of it's particularly exciting. Like at the end, they try to do a shootout uh, with Robert Foster and and some of the the robot guards or whatever, and it's not shot very excitingly. And the score, although I agree with you, I love John Barry, especially the main theme. The way mm. the score is used in the shootout scene, it's just like, it doesn't fit. It does, like, I, I don't know whether they just recycled a bit of music and laid it on top and went, that'll do. Mm. But mm. it does not help with the excitement of the score. Um, I agree with you, it's got an amazing cast. But you know what? With the exception of Maximilian Schell, um, and I'll give you Anthony Perkins, I, I didn't consider that. Maximilian Schell, I love, and and you're absolutely spot on. Like a Bond villain, he's just chewing that scenery. You know, for me, I get excited when he's on screen. But I love Robert Foster, right? I love Ernest Borgnine, but I got no idea about like their backstory. They didn't feel like characters that yeah. I lived in. The you know the number one guy, it's Timothy Bottoms. I want to say the the actor, the other yeah. guy, like he was just like a charisma free zone. The oh, actress was pretty dull. I, I, I guess that's why I was drawn to Perkins and uh, Shell because they seem to add a bit more depth to their characters. Yeah. And yeah, Perkins definitely he had like a character journey, which is great. Yeah, which Everybody is really else cool. was pretty much there to do stuff apart yeah. from Maximilian Shell, who was you know again he didn't really have a journey. But there were loads of really creepy, weird bits that I loved that he added in. Like he was you know there's a bit where he whispers to the girl, and he's like help he's in you know maximilian the robot is in control and it was like whoa where's that come from and you don't know if he's just mental now or if that is the case or paranoia um and yeah i i just yeah the characters didn't feel like they had a backstory you know they were just on the ship and then they ran into this other ship and boom and and you know with star wars luke skywalker he's a farm boy who's the chosen one boom Han Solo, he's a smuggler. He's no good. Princess mm. Leia, you know, she is, you know, far too young to be this diplomat, but she's doing what she can. She's plucky. <laughs> These characters just didn't have those traits. And so it was a bit, eh. But I, I, that I, kind I, of extends yeah. to the, the, the set design as well. The sets were beautiful, yeah, really. right? Amazing. Like, especially when you get onto, um, I forget the name of the ship, but once you get onto Maximilian Shell's spaceship, yeah stunning to look at but they it didn't feel lived in it felt very clean very disney-esque like you know oh this is a ride you could get at disney world so that kind of hampered it for me like it, it, it's it's got all these great elements it's got a great cast great design great score but they're just not used in a way that kept me hooked mm. now what i will say is i absolutely love the ending <laughs> um i'm not 
I can't hand on heart say I completely understood it. But again, it felt like that 2001 Stargate thing where they meet the baby fetus at the end. You know, they go through hell and you've got like Maximilian Shell becomes, um, you know, mixed with his robot. He's trapped inside his robot in this hellscape. Is it a matter that the robot was also called Maximilian, though? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, apparently that was a complete coincidence. (laughs) They didn't change the name of the robot. One at the end, didn't they? Yeah. and, and, and I love that visual of like he's trapped inside this robot. You can see his eyes in this visor and he looks terrified and scared. But he also like the way he's framed, he's like in charge now of hell. And then the rest of the astronauts have this weird trippy sequence with like the shutter speed is all messed up and the fisheye lens is going around them. And then suddenly they're in the, this like heavenly area. So it's like going through hell to come out and the goodies end up in heaven. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not really sure why that happens. I think, like I you said, know, I think that's Disney trying to do 2001 and just yeah, ladling yeah. on the Christian, you know, symbolism on top of it. I, 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 I don't know whether there was a there was a Walt Disney shackle on the film, like oh, just remember the kids, just remember oh, not too much. You know, so whether there was a bit of that going on, I, sus- not- I, I suspect you're right. I think although they wanted to go darker, they yeah. probably got cold feet. Um, and. You know, Gary Nelson, uh, the the director, you know, he's mostly like Disney TV stuff. Uh, I think he did Freaky Friday with Jodie Foster being his other like well-known feature. So I I wouldn't say he was a good mix. As you say, the the special effects, there was some ropey green screen, man. Like bits of the green screen were just like, ooh. And I know it was more difficult to do back then than, you know, us doing it nowadays. But still, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just taking me out straight away. So... (laughs) But there is a lot to like. I, I always love the basic setup of, you know, there's a crew on a ship, be it a spaceship or a yeah. normal ship, and they're diverted off their mission to save something. You know, there's an SOS or they, they see something or whatever. And I love that setup. I think it's a really rich setup. It's very like Alien, you know, the original uh, 1979 as well. So, yeah, you know, same period of time. Um, and, yeah, as I said, I love Maximilian Shell. It doesn't drag, to be fair. I mean, it's, what, like an hour and 40-odd minutes? So yeah. I didn't feel like it dragged. It was just so tonally weird. And and I love films like that because I love films that try something and maybe don't succeed rather than films that just do the basic and, you know, stay mm. in their lane. So at least they went for something. At least they tried something. I think it's an interesting period in Disney's time. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's like they tried to do a Star Wars and they didn't learn the important lessons of Star Wars, which is make your world believable, make your characters believable, and, and it will hook you. you it, it, it felt a bit more like they were trying to do a Star Trek to me, like Forster was the Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Kirk was Spock. Um, you got Ernest was like the... Is a Scotty. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It kind of felt more like a Star Trek-y thing. And, and, but either way, whichever you want to look at it, it kind of didn't quite do yeah. it. Yeah, and, and the thing with Star Trek, of course, is they had like, you know, three seasons of a TV show, so they had a lot more time to develop those characters. Yeah. yeah. You know, Star Wars, they had like, you know, archetypes, you know, the farm boy who becomes the chosen one and all this, you mm. know, but they were able to do that very quickly through acting, through just little lines of dialogue which suggested a backstory, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to love it, and I definitely love it more than when I did as a kid. And I think maybe the fact that, yeah, it didn't connect with me as a kid is also the reason I don't like it now as much. But I do like the horror vibes. And I do feel, you know, it's got this 
Lovecraftian thing, like they're all hypnotized by the visuals of the black hole. And I think the spaceship on the edge of the black hole, that is a that is a beautiful visual. It feels yeah, Lovecraftian. They're all losing their minds. Anthony Perkins starts to get hypnotized and you know seduced by the black hole and, and all of this kind of stuff. And then yeah, he's brutally killed. I mean, you don't see the guts, but he's brutally killed. Spoilers, but still it's like, whoa, we're you know, Disney movie guys. And then let's have you know funny comic robots bunch, you know, bunching into each other. Yeah, it, it was it was a bit um a bit kind of yeah, it wasn't very consistent with the tone, was it? But like I said, it, it was it was okay. It was good. I mean, it was good in a sense that I guess for the for me being older, first time watch seeing these certain actors come together and um yeah, it, it was good. But like you said, there were some flaws. But, Actually, um, do you know what? Do you, I love the film, but for me, that its main crime is it wasted Ernest Borgnine. You know, they gave him that evil little tash, but they didn't do anything with him, man. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine, he's a national treasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Righty, okay. So, Jim, which yes. bad boy Blu-ray label is best place to put this movie out for us? Well, there's two which um, I thought possibly, because they do a lot of sci-fi um and it's a lot of films they got are kind of around that era um 79 wasn't it uh, the black so i've gone for code red and um seven films um so those two uh i don't know if eight films might want to pick this up i don't know which what do you I think can imagine, i can imagine 88 yeah it's a tricky one because again this is what i was saying to to steven on on the the chat is that disney obviously are very protective over their stuff um so but however like since i said that and a couple of weeks ago it was announced that uh criterion collection are actually putting out wally on blu-ray which is like the first time an outside blu-ray label has put out like a, a disney movie in in this kind of way you know for a boutique blu-ray label so i've kind of labeled it with criterion as well same kind of thing i'm not sure whether it's highbrow enough for criterion uh, but they put out stuff that we've we've done in the past. I think they did a DVD release of. Oh, I'm completely. I'm just going to throw the post drop there. Equinox. There you go. The the one that uh, Laura Bainan recommended to us. So they put out Equinox. So I can imagine them touching that kind of time period, that kind of thing. And again, like I kind of said, my the story, the making of the film is almost more interesting than the film itself. The history behind it. No. Um, Condor Man. <laughs> you know, it, it's a similar time period, isn't it? You know, Condor Man, again, I think was inspired by the making of Superman. You know, they were looking for, right, what's our superhero thing? So they did that. And I think this is their attempt at Star Wars. Um, mm. The other one then I would say, and I'm fairly sure, again, I had this recommendation uh, for Condor Man was Shout Factory. Again, similar time period, you know, American stuff that would yeah be played constantly on tv would have nostalgic kind of viewership so yeah i think criterion um if they were going to you know continue with the disney stuff or shout factory because of the time period and all that kind of stuff righty then jim you've watched the black hole you've still got a hole in your heart for another film what are you gonna plug that hole with well i've gone for a film I think it's a bit earlier than uh, The Black Hole. and uh, It's, again, utopia turning into a nightmare. But I think they do it better in this film, starring Michael York, Logan's run. 
and very good film. Um, also, if you want a darker sci-fi fucking crazy horror all to do with black holes and, and abandoned ships, then check out Event Horizon. Yeah, that was mine. Ah, oh, snap again. I'm fairly sure Event Horizon is either the prequel or the sequel. I think it might be the sequel. It's the unofficial <laughs> sequel to Black Hole. So, yeah. Um, I was going to chuck in um, Pandorum as well, which is a really good film. Uh, it's more to do with, so they're, they're already on the ship, but they're in like a deep sleep. And then when they come up, the ship is changed, something's happening, and there's there's mutants and all sorts. So a really cool sci-fi horror there as well. Good call, so. good call. And not enough people have have seen Pandorum, so yeah, absolutely. Anytime anybody recommends that, all all the love for that film. Good choice, man. Good choice. There you go. Um, I've gone with Star Trek The Motion Picture so also released in 1979 obviously we were talking a bit about the Star Wars uh, the Star Trek connection previously um, also I don't know wh- whether you caught this on your version but on the Disney Plus version it's got like the opening like three minutes uh, black yeah. screen and the um, yeah the overture which yeah. is exactly the same as they had on Star Trek The Motion Picture so something was in the air in ah. 1979 to make these epic grand movies with yeah. yeah, you know, opening overtures. Um, and the costumes of the motion picture and all the Star Trek the motion picture make yeah. it feel very similar. Uh, you know, I think to be honest, Star Trek the Motion Picture, the special effects are a little bit better than Disney, which is a shame. That was the mm. other thing, actually, I, I didn't touch on, but Disney did all of their special effects in-house. So they tried to get the Star Wars people, and the Star Wars people gave them a quote, and they were like, Nope, we're not paying for that, we'll just do it in-house. I think that might have been a mistake, guys. But there mm. we go. Anyway, I, I love the visuals of um, the black hole, but the green screen work, and you know, you can see the wires. Really fast, though. Do you think it's going quite fast for a black hole? Not like I'm an expert. It's going to be. There's not a fucking washing machine in space. <laughs> I'm not a Stephen Hawking man, so I, I ain't got a clue. It, it could be legit for all I know. Okay, yeah. another weird and again similar time period, uh, and I can't remember which studio put this out, but I'm fairly sure again. It was a movie studio, saw Star Wars and needed to release their own and completely got it wrong again. Saturn 3. You ever seen Saturn 3? So Kirk Douglas, Farrah Fawcett and a dubbed Harvey Keitel in space in this weird love triangle where they're trying to kill each other. And then there's this eight foot robot called Hector, which doesn't have a head, but has like, like eye type things on stalks. It is weird man it is a weird film it's directed by the director of singing in the rain and again another director who's probably not best suited for sci-fi but it would go perfectly well with black you know somebody they tried to do a sci-fi film in the vein of star wars and got it horribly wrong so that goes well uh yeah i said event horizon for yeah exact same reasons man um a more recent sci-fi movie which also has like a downer kind of thing um Ad Astra. Have you seen, have you caught that one with Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones? No, I know the one you're on about. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like really poorly advertised when the trailers came out and everything like that. Again, mm. I think I caught it on Now TV. So you know, I sat down and watched it. I was like, ah, you know, astronaut movie. It's a lot weirder and goes into like trippy places. And then there's like you know, I wouldn't go quite as far as mad scientists, but imagine somebody trying to do like a. Uh, uh, a more straightforward remake of Black Hole, and that's kind of where Ad Astra is. You know, so, you know, 
turn the saturation right down on Black Hole and you get Ad Astra. Uh, interesting watch. I would go well with Black Hole in the same way. I'm not sure it's entirely successful, but still worth a watch. Um, and then taking the Black Hole as a disaster movie, go with something where they don't waste Ernest Borgnine, go with the Poseidon Adventure. Classic. Yeah. It, it, I th- it must just be the fact that it's got pretty much like a, a, a pretty star cast mm. and you know obviously they're then trying to escape from the bad guy spaceship and all this kind of stuff but mm. i was getting poseidon adventure um vibes from it and i just kind of thought that's how you do a disaster kind of thing and they did they, it just didn't feel like they'd learned those lessons from it so mm. you know gold star for black hole for you know trying hard <laughs> <laughs> And definitely an interesting film. Uh, it was a lot of fun kind of look, doing a deep dive into it, doing a bit of research into it. So cheers very much, Stephen, for recommending it. Sorry, I was a bit harsher on it than I was expecting. Jim loved it. It was good. It was good. It was good fun. Okay. So, guys, have you seen The Black Hole? Uh, what do you think would make a good double bill with The Black Hole? And uh, also, are there any other films that you think we should check out and badger a Blu-ray label to to release? Yeah, definitely. What can they do? You can hit the like button on this video if you're on YouTube and then subscribe to us too on YouTube and also come follow us on Facebook. Leave your comments down below in the comment section. Thank you and goodbye.